Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. True Hauntings is a Human Labs original podcast. An advertising posted by the British real estate agency Home Domus 360 reads, A small building in England that once was a medieval prison for people accused of witchcraft is now a cosy home in need of an owner. But prospective buyers should be forewarned. The sordid history of this former jail, known as The Cage, has led many to claim that the house is haunted with some calling it the most haunted place in all of England. With a reputation attracting TV crews from around the world, this unique two-bedroom cottage comes available with many resident ghosts. There is definitely something very unusual and slightly creepy about this small house in St Osseth, Essex. You couldn't tell by just looking at it that it has such a unique and colourful history. Hi, I'm Anne. And I'm Renata. Join us in this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast as we explore one of several medieval village lockups still standing in England today. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow, forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. And welcome back, everyone. And hi, Anne. Welcome to the studio. Oh, thank you, Renata. I do like getting a welcome to the studio. I feel like I'm at home. Mm. Funny about that. Yeah, funny about that. (laughs) (laughs) And before everyone panics, this will be the last episode you hear before Christmas. (laughs) 
We are coming back. It's okay, but we need a holiday. Yes. Um, By the time you hear this, we'll have produced over 50 episodes of the True Hornings podcast, and we have loved every single one. And look, I have a task, a challenge for you all. I want you to all go to the True Hauntings Facebook page and tell us as a Christmas present from you to us, which is your favourite episode in the 50-odd that we have produced? 52. It'll be 52 by the time this one goes out. Let us know which one. And why. (laughs) Please, please do this. It would make us so happy to get your responses onto the Facebook page. It would truly be an awesome Christmas present from all of you listeners to us to do that. And and while you're waiting for us to come back, now when did we decide we were coming back? The 14th of January? Yes. Um, you can go back and re-listen to them, have another good cackle, but there's plenty of stuff on YouTube as well. Just look up Anne and Renata on uh, YouTube and watch all our misadventures as we travel around the world trying to find ghosts and Husbands vacuuming trees. And <laughs> and there is going to be so much more in 2022. The things that we have planned that are going to go off like a frog in a sock for 2022. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I've got a whole different concept, frog in a sock, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, crunchy socks. Oh, no, we've gone there too soon. Be, I know. It's going to be Awesome. So if you think that these first 50-odd episodes were fun and lots of information and lots of digging, wait till you hear the next 50. And look, guys, I have to tell you, we are recording this on the 26th of November. So that gives you an idea of um, how far ahead we are recording. And we released our Norfolk Island trip uh, yesterday. And... We had 20 places, and by last night we had two spots left. So what we're thinking of doing is that if there are still some people who want to come on that Norfolk Island trip, send us a message through the Anne and Renata Frightfully Good or True Hauntings Facebook pages, and we'll pop you onto a waiting list. And if we get enough people... We're going to open up the weekend of the 27th to the 30th as a another tour to Norfolk Island. So uh, all the information about what it includes, it's, it's all meals, car hire, accommodation, all food, all... all um, uh, ghost hunts and there's that we have three ghost hunts and tours and the island and it's all pretty magical so uh if you're interested just send us a message and if we get enough we'll we only need about 10 to make it worthwhile to do another weekend mm, yeah absolutely uh twist our arm to stay, oh, no. <laughs> oh, to stay a week and a half would be fabulous and that's happening in may Yes. In May, May 2022. Yeah. So it gives you a, a fair bit of time. We did schedule it earlier, but the airfares uh, were the killing air us. were atrocious. Yeah, absolutely that was, atrocious. Uh, One thousand three hundred return, and normally they're about nine hundred. Mm. So we moved it to May, and all of a sudden there was a sale for the very dates that we were I going. Know, magic happened. <laughs> I took we, it as a sign. We manifested that we did. weekend. Oh, we are manifesting mothers. We are. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Um, so yeah, look, lots, lots is happening in 2022, and um, we do need some time off. And uh, but look, in saying we're going to have time off, we're, we're not because <laughs> we actually have to get four episodes pre-recorded so that we can go to England in April. Yes, and. Hang on to your hats for some stories from there. Oh, lots of oh misadventures, I'm sure. Goodness. <laughs> if you want to see awesome. what our misadventures are, look up the Heathrow Airport one. Mm. <laughs> it's the funniest. And 
if you go on to Anne and Renata Frightfully Good uh, the, and in, and our Instagram page, we are already posting um, our itineraries and where we're planning to go. So this will be the pre-warm-up of this tour uh, and this adventure that we're doing in England and it's going to be a hoot and we would love all of you to be part of it. So you can watch as we plan and as we make up our um, road trip and our, our itinerary and why we're going to certain places. And if you have a great spot that you think is worth visiting over in England while we're there, let us know. Send us a message. So you've got tasks this week. Well, I've got homework. We've, you, we've given you homework. And uh, yes, we want to see results. And in the meantime, before we get into the story... Merry Christmas to you all. Oh, yes. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Um, Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate, uh, go celebrate it with joy and um, not judgment. (laughs) Yeah. I can sing a song. Would you like me to sing a song? Dashing through the snow (laughs) in a one-horse open sleigh. I'll get my ukulele out. And I hope everyone stays well over the season. Don't kill your relatives. And that we see you all back for... um, True Hauntings 2022. Yeah, make sure you come back. Now let's get to this story because it's an awesome one. Oh, it could almost be two episodes, this one. It's so big. Yeah. Hi, my name is Vanessa Mitchell. I'm the owner of the Cage Medieval Prison. I lived there for three years and have rented it for the last year. But yet again, my tenants are in the process of moving out. No one ever stays there long. There has also been a suicide in the fairly recent past. I'm thinking of letting it out to paranormal groups. I have seen many ghosts in there in broad daylight, also a huge amount of activity, including me getting slapped hard on one occasion. Any advice would be great. Less than four years into her residence... Vanessa Mitchell claimed her life was destroyed by paranormal activity that confounded investigators, police officers and the church. She saw flying objects around the kitchen. She was punched, bitten and thrown to the floor. Mysterious figures floated through her home and attacked her guests. After an investigation, John Fraser compared it to 112 Ocean Avenue in New York the demonic family home in the Amateurville horror case. So that uh, little bit of a shortish soundscape today was an actual letter, or the first part was an actual letter from the owner of the cage to the Society for Psychical Research in sheer desperation to get help and trying to work out how she can make ends meet. It's an interesting statement about people who desire to live in a haunted house and then have to live with the reality of living in a haunted yeah, house. Yeah, because we say all the time, oh, we'd love to live in a haunted house. Mm. But would we mm. if we were actually in the situation? Yeah, and it depends on how haunted it is. And this place apparently, allegedly, is pretty, pretty the haunted. Charts. And it's tiny. It is. There's no hiding in this spot. Um, it's, it's kind of, yeah, tiny by our standards. 
and uh, we've got pictures up on the True Hauntings podcast Facebook page. So, oh, we will have. So take a check and have a look at one of the pictures that I'm going to post up, which is a picture of the cage itself many years ago mm. and now how they've literally built a home around it and extended it. It's so almost that, the size of one of our outdoor dunnies. Yeah. Well, that's a toilet. Just, just, a, just a little bit bigger. Yeah, but it's a, it's a majestic, sweet outdoor <laughs> dunny. A, a lot of the things that I've read about this case, and once again, the stories are everywhere. But it seems to be the same thing over and over and over again. Hmm. So there's really no juicy bits that you can get into and go. That's oh, I don't know yeah, that. yeah. I might have something. I'm going back to the the whole thing of, of Vanessa really wanting this house. She yeah. kept on saying it was calling out to her. Yeah, because she lived in the area previously. And, yeah, um, it, she was drawn to it, and which often happens in these cases. Yeah, it was like it was standing there waiting for her to come Vanessa, in. Come to come, Vanessa, come, Vanessa, and. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Poor Vanessa. Vanessa's uh, not happy. No, <laughs> no she's not because she's losing money. She was a young girl who moved in. I think she moved in initially with a friend um, and they were going to share. Yep. And it was like this investment place. Yeah. It was an investment. And she was and a smart cookie too. She, she's not. No, not that's true. A, a desperate character. She yeah. was doing really well. Yep. And, uh, yeah, she was kind of in the mobile home um, and sort of tourism industry and everything. I selling guess. caravans and RVs. Yeah, I guess that all failed for her over the last couple of years, too. Well, you're now telling my story, but that's okay. But anyway, <laughs> just saying, poor Vanessa. Poor Vanessa. She's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. That, that, that Rose Hall thing, that was really funny. That's all we could say for weeks afterwards. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's so. This this goes back to this thing, as we said. We we see pictures and, and things all the time about places that are haunted, and go, "Oh yeah, I'd I'd live there, absolutely." But then you live there and you go, hold on, <laughs> this might not be that pleasant. So yes. I'd give it a crack. Yeah, we'd give it a good crack. So I, I'm going to read a little bit about the history of this place, and I'm going to. Uh, talk a little bit about the witch trials that are associated with the building because yet again it was hard work for me to find anything really uh, about St Osseth and get into it there's not that much of a backstory it all seems to start with Vanessa but the, the witch trials and everything are fascinating. They are. They are. That's a good story. It is a good story. Tell it then. But it's not... <laughs> All right, okay. Bloody hell, she's whinging about witch history. (laughs) St. Oseth is a cursed little village in the country of Essex. Isn't that wonderful? That's how they... Welcome to our hometown. It is cursed, but you're welcome. (laughs) It's 83 miles east of London at the edge of the North Sea and the town's 4,600 souls live in medieval cottages arranged around a 12th century monastery and in cheap mobile homes that the British call caravans. (laughs) That's going to upset all of the Australians that are listening. We call them caravans too. (laughs) But we don't often live in them. We have caravan parks. Caravan parks, parks, but... That's more for the retirement community. Oh, Essex, I want to go and check your place out now because it can't be as bad as all of this. I'm Just, sorry, anyone I'm, that's listening from Essex. I'm, I'm, yeah, th- look, that was a really wrong vibe, but I'm just, I'm reading. Well, it's only from our research. Yes. St. Osef's, Osef's, 
<laughs> Could I just say Benf? Benf. St. Isaac's exact. <laughs> Stop it! Isaac. Isaac. It's Exact origins remain a mystery, and over the centuries, its town folk have survived floods, invasions, and monsters, both imagined and real. In fact, every page of its wretched history is soused <laughs> in the supernatural. I can't wait I to visit. Someone didn't like Essex, honestly. <laughs> My goodness. Now, the village is named after the granddaughter of England's last pagan king. According to legend, Oseth was beheaded by Danish Vikings but managed to walk to the nunnery <laughs> carrying her severed head in her hands. Oh, thank God. How the hell? <laughs> she, she lost her head. Yeah, and then she, she walked to the nunnery with Jeez, her. good brain stems back in the <laughs> oh middle ages. Oh, my God. I can hang on for hours. It's, God. it's a miracle. <laughs> Oh, I've got the giggles I'd already. Like, How I'd are we like going to get see, through this? I don't know. I would like to see um, the artwork depicting that. <laughs> Is there a tarot card with that on it? Oh, no, no. In 1171, the village was burnt down by a fire-breathing dragon. Then came the witches. During a satanic panic in 1582, 13 or 14, depending on what information you read, local women stood trial for witchcraft and two swung from the gallows. So as I said, I'm going to go into uh, this whole story about the witches because the witches actually spent time in the cage. During the St. Oseth witch trials in 1582, 14 women were accused of witchcraft-related crimes for which three were executed. During the trials, the women were housed in the cage. One of the accused, Ursula Kemp, was a local healer who was sentenced to death by hanging. She is commemorated on a plaque that hangs on one of the former prison's walls. Kemp was accused of casting spells that led to the death of a neighbour's newborn. She then accused others of practising witchcraft, and they in turn accused even more unfortunate individuals, according to the Times East Anglican newspaper. Now, back in those days, that's kind of what you did because they they put you in such a situation that they said, and I, I remember listening to a podcast and poor um, Ursula um they, they sort of said to her, you either, if you um, say you are a witch and if you tell us the names of other people who are witches, we will go easily on you. We, we will kind of, you know. We'll and let, of course, you're going to believe yeah, we'll them. We'll let you go free. And she was just a, a normal woman from a very small village probably uneducated other than being taught um, the skills of... Um, you know, a cunning woman. Yeah. Yeah. So... She was a healer. You know, these people would roll into the township and, you know, say all these horrendous things. And she had a small child to look after. So she did what she thought was going to save her backside, which was, yes, yes, look, I'm a witch, I'm a witch, and um, I know all these other people that are witches, and I'm gratefully going to tell you their names. It didn't turn out well. So Essex was a hotbed of witchcraft trials during the 16th and 17th centuries. Of the 112 witches who were executed in England in the 1640s alone, 
82 were put to death in Essex. Wow. I think that's a stop on our trip. Mm, I think we might have to now. Yeah, in 1921, two female skeletons that were thought to be the remains of executed witches, one of them reportedly Kemp, were unearthed in a St. Osseth garden during a construction project. Some of the bones appeared to have been pierced with nails, which was a common practice for dead witches, to keep their spirits from haunting the living. So on February the 20th, 1582, the local priory owner and magistrate named Sir Brian Darcy ordered Ursula Kemp to be ripped away from her son's arms. She and 13 others, see how that number keeps on changing? Well, we've got 14 there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Were charged with performing witchcraft and they were known as the Witches of St. Osseth and they were thrown into the cage prison. Now, if you look at at the cage itself, and we will put photos up, it's not very big. No, not at all. They had a trial and two of the 14 were found guilty, including Ursula Kemp. They were sentenced to death by hanging. There is even a plaque on the property that states Kemp was imprisoned there prior to being hanged in 1582. Kemp was said to have been the most powerful and notorious of all of the women. She lived her life as a midwife as well as a healer, just like you mentioned. So they're killing off all the midwives. Yes. And then now they're going to have no midwives Mm -hmm. and babies will die and they'll say it's the curse of the witches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Many of the locals would visit her for medicine and she was additionally known to have removed spells from people who believed that they were cursed by black magic. Well, she'd do anything to earn a few pennies. Of course I'll remove that, that spell that you've got. And this is a sad thing when um, I was reading about all of this. It was just, it's just terrible. A woman named Grace Thurlow had a son who became strangely ill with convulsions. Kemp and some neighbours came to see him. Kemp took him by the hand, muttered incantations and told Thurlow that the boy would do well enough. The child was healed almost immediately. Thurlow, suspicious of witchcraft, then would not let Kemp nurse her newborn daughter. The infant fell out of this crib and broke its neck. And guess what? Oh, it was Ursula's fault. It was Ursula's fault. So Thurlow and Kemp quarrelled violently and Ursula threatened Thurlow with lameness. Oh, so she threatened to throw a spell at him. Mm. Mm, That's not a good thing to do during a satanic panic. No. So Thurlow was severely crippled with arthritis. That was so bad she could scarcely drag herself around on hands and knees. Oh, wow. It worked. Yes. (laughs) Uh, There is another story, though, that says that Thurlow refused to pay Kemp's fee of 12 pence, after which her arthritis flared up again. Yeah. Mm. That's probably more logical. Mm -hmm. Thurlow worked for a county session judge, Brian Darcy, and complained to him about Kemp. So Darcy investigated and coerced Kemp's illegitimate eight-year-old son, Thomas, to confess to incredible stories about his mother. Now, he coerced an eight-year-old boy to confess against his mother. Well, let's let that's a that's a decent individual there. That's a solid. Yeah, let that statement just sink in. Yeah. So he told Darcy that his mother. Now this this is eight year old Thomas, uh, and I'm going to have to try and do my best with how because this is old English. Oh, we got some old Englishy words, have we? Hath hath four several spirits. The one called Tiffin, 
the other called Titi, the third. I had to say it that way. I had to say Titi. The third, Pegain, and the fourth, Yak. And being asked what colours they were, saith that Titi is like a little grey cat, Tiffin is like a white lamb, Pegain is black like a toad, and Yak is black like a cat. Oh, well done. That sounded so ye olde English. Yeah. Not. (laughs) Thomas said that he had seen these familiars come at night and suck blood from his mother at her arms and other places on her body. He also said that the spirits had been given to Godmother Newman, Alice Newman, in an earthenware pot. Darcy also found a man who claimed Kemp had bewitched his wife to death. Kemp denied these stories, but Darcy tricked her by falsely promising her leniency if she confessed. So Darcy literally said, look, you can't stay here any longer, but I promise that I'll take you out of this county, put you somewhere else. We'll make it all go away. We'll make it all go away. Just give me some names so that we can settle everyone down because now everyone knows what's going on in this village. So we've got to accuse someone. But if you tell me who it is, I'll, I'll whisk you away and then we can tell people that, you know, we've punished you and you're never coming back and the the witches are gone Um, and so fearing for her life Kemp confessed to having familiars and consorting with other St. Osith witches whom she named Elizabeth Bennett, Alice Hunt and her sister Marjorie Pride and Prejudice? What? Oh no! And her sister Marjorie Salmon as well as Elizabeth Newman So Hunt and Salmon were daughters of Old Mother Barnes, a witch of notorious repute who allegedly had bequeathed to them her familiars, two sprites like toads and one called Tom and the other Robin. These accused women in turn named others, hoping for mercy from the court. So this is where it all goes awry. It goes pear-shaped. Because... Everyone starts to accuse everyone else because they're told, well, we'll look after we'll you. We'll look after you, you, name you some people and we'll look after you. And we all know how those witch trials go. Oh. No matter what happens, you're going to die. Yep. yep. We're going to dunk you. Yep. Or burn you at the stake. Yeah, well, we'll dunk you. And so if you float to the top, you're, you're a, a witch. witch and we kill you. And if you drown, well, you weren't a witch, but you're, you're dead. But your soul is saved. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, I'm sorry, but there's... only men can think of this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, but yeah. So Hunt confirmed her sister Marjorie as a witch, as well as Joan Pecky. Newman confirmed Bennett. Soon 14 women were exposed. Most of them were disreputable and or poor. Hunt's eight-year-old stepdaughter claimed that she had two little things, one black and one white, the which she kept in a low earthen pot with wall, colour colour white and black, and saith that she hath seen her mother to feed them with milk. Or if I say it the way it's written. <laughs> yeah, please do. The which she kept in a little lowy earthen pot with wall, colour white and black, and saith that she hath seen her mother to feed them with milky. <laughs> What is it with the old Englishy? <laughs> wow. So Bennett admitted that she had two spirits, one called Suckin, being black like a dog, and the other Laird being red like a lion. What's with these familiars? Oh, I don't know. It's called a pet. 
I've, oh. I've got three three familiars. They're cats, and I've got two another two familiars, which are dogs. So another accused woman, Annis Heard, was charged by her seven-year-old illegitimate daughter. Oh my God! They're getting children. Children mm-hmm. to accuse their their mothers, oh. and this happened in Salem as well. It yeah. was all the testimony of a, a, a young girl. Yep. So this seven-year-old illegitimate daughter um, said that Annis had seven avices or blackbirds as her imps, and six more who lay in a box lined with black and white wool. The accused elaborated stories on each other, especially about their familiars. The women were charged with crimes of bewitching animals, bewitching brewing. Oh, well, see, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like a bewitched brew. (laughs) Baking and butter churning. What? (laughs) That's witchcraft. No, they bewitched baking and butter churning. So if the bread didn't rise, which is the witch's fault, if the butter didn't churn coagulate yes if it curdled. If it curdled, yep, that was a problem. Striking people with wasting sickness. And bewitching people to death had nothing to do with poverty and no and yeah, no, uncleanliness. No, some accounts of the hysteria, such as by Reginald Scott, place the number of accused at seventeen or eighteen going to their deaths. Historian Russell Hope Robbins, citing more recent research of records, placed the number at fourteen with two executions. With lurid stories and confessions abounding, it seems that convictions would have been certain of many of the accused. However, two women were not indicted at all. Strangely, one of these was Salmon, who confessed. Two women were imprisoned but denied charges of bewitching cattle. Sounds fishy to me. And two... I broke it. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. I had to get it in oh, somewhere. God, we're going on holidays. <laughs> I can't put up with much more of this. <laughs> oh, um, Yes, they were not indicted and released. Four women who went on trial, three of them on charges of bewitching people to death, pleaded not guilty and were acquitted. Testimony against them came from children. Well, they could have thought of that when they were and doing children, it in the first place. Children never fib. They no. never tell a lie. No, never. <laughs> Especially when a big man with a stick is standing over them telling. Did, did you do that? No. <laughs> but you've got all that stuff all over your hands. It shows you did No. <laughs> So four others accused uh, pleaded not guilty, were tried and convicted and then reprieved. One of them was Newman, who was charged with bewitching to death four persons plus her husband. (laughs) Agnes Glasscock. (laughs) Stop it! Ed's got the wheeze this time. And Cecily Sellis, similarly which... Love it. <laughs> Cecily Sillis. Say it with a list. My God. Her glasses have now fogged up. Oh, my God. Take a breath. I won't look at you. Agnes Glasscock. And Cecily Sellers similarly were charged with be- <laughs> This sounds like a skin disease. <laughs> Cecily Sellers. <laughs> oh, oh. It's not laughing, Nana. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm very sorry, Cecily. <clears throat> uh, 
<clears throat> Joan Turner was charged with bewitchment by overlooking and did spend a year in prison. So overlooking was a word that they used for casting the evil eye. Right, okay. The only two hanged were Kemp and Bennett. Kemp was charged with bewitching three people to death between 1580 and 1582, and she confessed to her crimes. I don't think so. Bennett was charged with killing a man and his wife. The remains of Ursula Kemp were exhumed by researcher Cecil Williamson and placed on display in an open elm coffin lined with purple satin in his Museum of Witchcraft, which would be in Cornwall. The exhumation was televised. Oh! Williamson discovered that Kemp's body had been driven through with iron spikes, an old custom intended to keep restless ghosts and vampires from leaving their graves to haunt the living. Kemp's remains were kept by Williamson for his personal connection when he sold the museum in 1996. Now, why did I go through all of this? Because it's a fascinating glimpse into history and what people were... um, how people could be coerced and how things could get inflamed so quickly. And these these places in England were small villages. So once the word got out that there was witchcraft afoot... Spread like wildfire. It spread like wildfire. And we have to consider that people living in Essex can possibly be the descendants of some of these people that were alive in the 1500s. And so this whole thought of ghostly attachments and apparitions and black magic would still be something very real in their psyche. Hmm. And that's why when a place like this would be um, named as a place where witchcraft was um, and ghosts were, um, it would be very easy for people just to automatically assume um, that and it is very haunted. And there's people hanging on to their pagan roots as well. Yes. So um, they have that belief mixed in as well. And uh, a lot of it is simply knowing the herbs or the herbs, as we say in America, um, and the salves and the potions of the location to help heal back mm. in those times. Absolutely. So they're killing off the people with the knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, there might have been some quirky little things in there that they believe would help help it along. But really, it was the, 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 the things they were making out of the local herbs and Bushes, mm. hashtag sacred bush, um, that were helping heal people mm. or poison them. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't a monastic centre. So I'm also going to throw into the mix the influence of the monastery mm. on the township of Essex. And what we're referring to is the, the cell the, the, this the is cage. What, the cage, but the it was cage. it was a holding cell. That's it was a holding cell that um, was used in small villages. Yeah. to hold because this wasn't the, the town drunk. Yeah, um, the cage was used up till 1908, mm-hmm. I believe, in in holding yes. people, and it would hold men, women, and children. So it had quite a long history. So even though well, we've got three or four hundred years of yes. history of yep. of people being held in this small little. Space, which when we look at the photos, it was completely built over and attached to the house next to it, the terrace next to it, and it became a home. And apparently there was um, something that it was built on top of, which was an original holding cell. So the one that we see that's now been incorporated into the building um, 
wasn't the original holding cell. There was something there before that, and mm-hmm. it was rebuilt into the bricks. Um, so there's sort of layered history there as well. Yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What a fascinating place. Yeah. So... We have a picture which Renata found and she showed me earlier of what this holding cell looked like. Mm -hmm. And it looks like a brick garage. Yeah. It's not very big. Um, It's the size of a a small room. um, And it has the original jail cell door on it, allegedly. And that looks like it's the the way you go into the house. Yes. And it's right on the corner, if I'm correct. Yes. It's kind of like this... Um, the street splits and goes in um, either direction around Yeah, around So it's it. quite narrow. Yes. Uh, and in the 1970s, there was a developer who turned the cell into a living room and added two bedrooms upstairs, and it actually gave it lovely views over the monastic grounds that were around the place. So that's, that's how it came to be a house, because it wasn't designed to be a house. No. Uh, so the area, as you said, was known as being uh, 
um, cursed mm-hmm. and active. Apparently, there's even stories of um, people nearby who've had books go flying off the shelves and um, that sort of thing happening. But I want to get on to Vanessa, who was the person who bought the house and what she knew, Vanessa Mitchell, before she came to buy this house. Mm-hmm. So... She wasn't very big on believing in spirits. Her dad never believed in spirits. And uh, she'd grown up in another ancient house in St. Osseth that was um, had abandoned servants' quarters and the floors were grown at night and in the basement. Do you know what was in the basement? A priest hole. A priest hole. <laughs> what a glorious way to end this season. <laughs> and um, she, she claims that, you know, they would... Um, that's where the they'd all bolt to if they needed to, and there was monasteries being raided, and that there would be blood curdling screams often ringing out in the night. But she didn't feel they were evil spirits. She just thought, you know, that's just the noises. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, they're saying they don't believe in ghosts, but they're, they're saying mm, that they do. They do. Mm-hmm. So um, she also knew about the skeleton of Ursula Kemp that was found um, in unconsecrated land nearby with the stakes driven through the arms and legs to prevent the witch from rising. So she knew about that. She also knew about the uh, alleyway behind the cage. Mm-hmm. So the alleyway was Coffin Alley. Mm-hmm. Now, it was called that because that's where they used to transport the coffins of the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, they said from the cage, but I, I don't know if it's specifically for the cage. Mm-hmm. If it was a, a monastery, there would be maybe funerals and mm-hmm. things happening there mm-hmm. all the time. Uh, so <laughs> I like this here. They say for many home buyers, termites or faulty wiring would be a deal breaker. <laughs> but um, instead, she missed the red flags of all these supposed haunting things that were supposed to happen in this house. So the the other thing she also knew about is that there was a fairly recent suicide in the house, mm-hmm. approximately six months before this person had hung themselves or hanged themselves in the, the stairwell that is there. And that is historically correct. It did happen. Now, she moved in um, in mid-2005, and almost immediately she had a, a roommate come and join her, which was her friend Nicole Kirtley. They were in their mid to late 20s. Uh, now, at this stage, um, I'll give you a little bit of background on Michelle. She was really strong and outspoken. Sorry, Mitchell. She was strong and outspoken, um, a career woman. She didn't muck around. She knew what she wanted in life and she was a go-getter. As you said, they weren't... They they were well-educated and and smart She's buying the first house. Smart girls, yeah. Yeah. Um, Kirtley um, was recuperating from cancer treatments and worked casual shifts behind the bar in the King's Arms. They'd all heard rumours about the cage um, and the pub across the road, of course, would have lots of gossip on on what was happening. Um, There was one comment I found that was interesting that they said one family that lived there while I worked at the pub the son kept setting fire to his bedroom. Someone said it was because he was possessed. Mm. Now, mm. that is layering ideas before you even start, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, they decided, like, uh, what's her name? Um, Vanessa was going to make a nice cup of tea as they were moving in. And uh, it was apparently beautiful inside, very, uh, inside, very old-fashioned and with wooden beams exposed and crisscrossed walls. And anyway, she was making the cup of tea. She heard footsteps and she turned around expecting to find her friend moving in. But what she saw was an, a 
black fog drifting through a door. Oh. Now, she was a little bit shocked at seeing that. Apparently, she broke out in a cold sweat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she peered out the window into Coffin Alley, she could see that Curtly was still outside. So mm-hmm. she knew it was nothing to do with her. And she didn't want to upset her friend. Her friend had been sick. She um, And she's a paying tenant as well. She's going to help pay the rent. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing you want to say is, guess what? Yeah, I just saw. <laughs> yeah. Now, they uh, downstairs in the bottom level, that's where the prison room was with the, the big wooden cage door. And it was considered to be the original door. Now, in the fireplace there, Vanessa found an iron chain with a large hook that appeared to be a relic from the building's prison days. She also did a bit of a spring clean and found that there was creepy old photographs and documents left behind by previous tenants. Oh. So I'd say people had been researching it. Now, she found that through the deeds that on average every three and a half years since this was built in the 70s, it was changing hands Mm -hmm. with the exception of two cases. There was even one man there who had bought the place for £150 and sold it a couple of weeks later for £100. So he took a loss. Mm -hmm. So it says £100. I don't know if it's £100,000. doesn't tell me the dates there. Mm -hmm. She also found the death certificate of the guy that hung himself there six months before. Why would that be there? Why, yes. That doesn't make sense. Why would somebody return the death certificate to the place where he had killed himself? Mm. Oh, they put it in the mail and posted it to him. Now, this was another really icky thing that happened to her. Uh, there was an old rug there and they, were, they want to do a bit of spring clean. They're moving into the house and they pulled up the rug and underneath it was thousands and thousands of maggots. Mm, yes. Oh. Um, they scrubbed the floor with bleach and swept the lavas out, in the flo- out into the street. Ooh, but I mean, it could be, a, do they have blowflies like we have here? Because when, when a blowy lands and drops its maggots, it's pretty bad. Uh, they did find other problems with the house. It was freezing cold even on the warmest days. Strange drafts wafted with the scent of either baking bread, pipe smoke or a sour smell that would actually make Vanessa's stomach turn. They were right next to the pub. I know. The sour smell is very easily beer or wine. Yes. We pass pubs and you get that stench that sort of wafts out. Yeah. This is a great story. Now, he becomes part of the... uh, the law of the the building. Um, she was uh, in the, the bottom half of the house and heard some loud knocks, three loud knocks on the front door. She raced down the stairs to see who it was and was startled to find a boy with spiky hair wearing a school uniform. Not a ghost, but flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Now, this is Freddie Young. He was 12 years old at the time, and he said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to upset you. It's just a tradition for me. She, and he explained that his grandmother, who he called Nan, was a white witch. Mm-hmm. Now, remember you were saying that this is all layered mm-hmm. into yes. this area? Yep. Don't you roll your eyes at me because I said yeah. white witch. Okay. <laughs> Renata's not a big believer in the colours of the witches. No. But anyway, let's, and let's he, keep anyway, going. she went. He went on to say that Nan used her powers for good, not evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and she had warned him not to walk past the cage without knocking three times as a sign of respect to the witches and to ward off evil. Yeah. Knock three 
times on the ceiling if you want me. Oh, that's... Do, 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 but do, isn't the, the three knocks always a sign of a mocking of the Trinity in yes, the Ghost Hunting TV yes, series? Yes, yes, yes. Oh, all right. So who is it that haunts the house? Who is it that we think now? I'm going to be jumping in and out of bits and pieces here. So it's thought that Ursula Kemp mm-hmm. is haunting it. Um, now, she was middle-aged, illiterate, poor, um, cunning woman. So she was into the medicinal herbs, as we mentioned. Um, and we know all the story about her disagreement over payment and all that sort of thing. But is it her? We don't know, but there's a few little hints as we go through all the stories to work out who the ghosts are. And I have a theory. Mm. Now, let's go back to the living. Uh Um, So the two ladies that moved into the house apparently both witnessed tiny bright lights floating through the house. Now, they also had instances of jot. Do you know Mm -hmm. what jot is? Mm Mm-hmm. Just one of those things. Yeah, just one of those things. And that is normally when something will disappear and reappear. Mm -hmm. And I really put that down most of the time that we've forgotten that we've done it or somebody's accidentally picked it up and moved it. But they were finding that it wasn't just their stuff that would be moved and put into weird places, but stuff that didn't belong to them started to turn up. Oh, Okay, so it's like a port, yeah, and a port. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also the feeling that when you tried to walk through the door, it felt like you were trying to wade through jelly. There was this heavy atmosphere that you had to push your way in, almost as if somebody was trying to keep them out. Mm -hmm. Mm. Uh, Now, remember Freddie, the Mm 12-year-old? His granddad used to drink at the pub across the road, Mm -hmm. and he was sitting at the pub one day, and he looked up, and he saw an old woman in the cages window. Mm-hmm. Now, Ursula Kemp would have been middle-aged. I thought that was most amusing when you said 25 to 35 or something for middle-aged. Mm-hmm. Jeez, we <clears> must <throat> be dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a thousand times over. <laughs> but she would have been considered an, an older woman, yes. not not a, a young whippersnipper. Whippersnapper. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. So is that Ursula that they're seeing? Now, there is another story as well that as the ladies were getting ready for a Halloween party, they decided to have a Halloween party in a haunted house. Why not? What and could the, go wrong? I like how they Can were we, saying... Did they pull out a Ouija board? <laughs> they uh, apparently dressed up as slutty witches. <laughs> what? Slutty witches? Well, they didn't say slutty, but they said they were sexy. Right. Um, and uh, good on them, I say. And as they were applying their black lipstick, they heard a huge crash downstairs and they ran downstairs... And there was nothing except that oppressive atmosphere mm. of somebody being there. But it seemed to be that after Halloween, so this is in the first year that they've been living there, things started to pick up. So whether the witches there didn't take kindly to them dressing up as mm-hmm. sexy witches, mm-hmm. um, the TV volume would keep going up and down. Uh, fridge magnets would fly across the room. Uh, Curtly saw a soda can slide across the kitchen table on its own. The old chain they'd found in the fireplace uh, started to swing violently at night and the door in the hallway would slam shut with a bang and then at night, Mitchell started to hear disembodied voices of infants. That's a lot. That's very poltergeist, isn't it? Very. Hmm. 
I'm going to hark back to the placement of the building, but never mind. No, you could go. Because the placement of the building is, it's surrounded by a whole lot of other buildings. Um, It's attached to the terrace next to it. Um, It has a pub across the road. Um, So voices carry. They do. They do. And I have, we've got about 15 minutes left and I've got like 20 pages. Keep going. This is interesting. It is. Um, So, oh, hang on. I think that's printed twice. So maybe I only have 19 pages. (laughs) So with that, the the ladies decided that they needed some help. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Even though Mitchell was sort of not into all this and she's fine to live in a haunted house and whatever, they've decided to head over to the Reverend Martin Flower Dew. Such a lovely name, Flower Dew, who was known as a trendy vicar. Yes. Um, Oh, he's the one with the earring. Yes. That controversial earring, isn't it? Funny they had to put that into print. and I will let you know where I've got this information from. It was a fantastic article. It, it really, and like I listened to the audio version and got yes. the, it was yes. glorious. Very well done. Yeah. So he agreed to come over and, um, but however, for this interview that this is part of, he declined to comment on mm-hmm. the story. Oh, they never do want to come back and say anything, do they? No. So the vicar walked in and he sat down in the front room and we had a really long chat uh, he started getting his robes and his holy water out and everything. And I, and uh, Vanessa said, is this common for this sort of thing to happen? And he was really into the history of uh, St. Othus. So he, he knew all about it. He said, I'm going to tell you this. I've been in lots of parishes, but since I've come to the parish in St. Osseth, I have had so many people coming to me in private and coming to me in church saying, I need you to come and bless the house. I've got a haunted house. Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm more special than you are. Yes, yeah, so it was the fan to get your house blessed by the priest because you were haunted. Yes. So he said that he's been to at least four houses on that road. Yeah. And he wasn't going to tell her where because that's private. Mm-hmm. So he said some prayers. We all know how well that normally goes down. Uh, Took a second walk around the house. Everything appeared to be quiet until they reached upstairs and got to the bathroom. And both of the bathtub faucets were gushing water. That's taps for us Aussies. Mm -hmm. The taps were gushing water. I told you, Mitchell cried. I told you. Hmm. Anyway, the vicar then said he didn't feel right about the house. He said, I can can feel it. Uh, But if you've got any problems, call me. They didn't bother. <laughs> they, they felt like it really hadn't done much for them at all. Now, at this stage, uh, uh, Vanessa has met a nice young man and has fallen in love with him. They decide that they're going to run off to Vegas and get married. He didn't believe in ghosts or anything at all. Um, he remembers sitting in the bed one evening watching TV and they had a Coke can at the side of the bed and it literally flew off and smashed on the other side of the room. Mm-hmm. Uh that, but Vanessa got cold feet and decided, no, she better not marry him. It, mm. it was all a bit rushed and he wasn't the right person. She cancelled a few days out. But that means she's now alone, mm-hmm. apart from her, her mate. And she found herself sleepwalking. She said that she seemed to sleepwalk at the same time every night and she'd end up waking up every night in the hall by the place where the previous owner had hung themselves. Hang themselves. I always get that wrong. Mm. Um, felt like the house was goading her. She'd hear voices in her head that whispered, kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself. Mm-hmm. 
So at this stage, the other one's boyfriend has moved into the house. He doesn't believe in ghosts either. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, After several months living in the cage, he flatly refused to be left alone inside the house. (laughs) So they, they made this pact that at no stage would they leave themselves alone in the old prison for any reason at all. Mm -hmm. And they had to start planning their lives and schedule so that, um, that there was always two people within the house. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but Curtly got pregnant and she decided she had to leave. They just couldn't bring a child up in that house, which mm-hmm. was fair enough. So her and her boyfriend moved out and found their own place. But that meant that uh, Vanessa was now on her own. Yes. What so did she, she do? Yeah, she tried to fill the place with visitors as often as she could. And this is where other people started to witness what was happening. And um, this dude, Neil, uh, who was in the army spotted blood on the floor 20 or 30 droplets of deep red blood splattered on the floor as if dropped from a pipette or a bleeding nose now the, the apparently um one of them worked as a nurse so they knew that it was blood it wasn't anything else um and the, the first thing they thought of was that something had sort of gotten to the house apparently crows used to fly into the house all the time or mm-hmm. smack into the house and they thought maybe one's just got inside and hurt themselves or a cat or an animal so they searched everywhere and could find nothing there was another uh stage where Vanessa said that um she felt like somebody was biting her ear that's odd Mm. And she just screamed and screamed. So at at one stage, she was feeling very unwell and she thought it was the house. And she kept going to the doctor and they kept giving her loads and loads of medications, thought she had a pelvic inflammatory disorder. One stage, she ended up in hospital and the nurse put cold gel on her and got the ultrasound out and said, oh, congratulations, you've got a five and a half month old baby in there. Right. Oop, Danana. Right. Um, apparently she screamed about that too. <laughs> she refused to look at the screen. She was just so shocked. Well, after visiting doctors who didn't pick up on Five anything. Five and a half months pregnant. That's just... Oh, that's that's outrageous. That's outrageous. <laughs> uh, um, did oh. she not feel the baby move? Well, she probably thought she had gas. <laughs> Um, I never knew a baby was going to... She knew that a baby was not going to be safe in that house and she started to panic. She didn't know what she was going to do. She could barely cope in the house alone, never mind anyone else. How was she going to do this with a baby? Mm. Now, let's go back again to Ursula Kemp. I just want to find a little bit of an interesting thing here. Mm -hmm. She, too, was a single mother with an eight-year-old son. Mm -hmm. So... An illegitimate, so unwed, unwed mother. Yes, this is another unwed mother. Yes, yeah, that had allegedly been locked up in that um, prison that was there. So maybe there's a little bit of a um, connection. Connection. Yep. And to think that Ursula also had probably. confessed to all of this to protect her son Mm -hmm. and then he turned on her because of these other people who had coerced Mm -hmm. um, stories from him so she would be very sympathetic to another unwed mother who was now terrified of this house 
So, so far we've seen a black mist in the house and we have seen an things, older woman. Yeah, things moving around. And poltergeist activity. Yep. Now, uh, I also had to tell you something a, a little bit funny. You remember you were talking about the man um, who had dug up the the skeletons? Yes. Uh, he actually, once he dug them up, started to charge people to come and have a look at them. <laughs> Oh, Did yes. you know that? That's, yes, I read. I yeah. um, read about this. Yes, uh, and um, not long after, uh, his house unexplainedly was engulfed in fire, and a fireman fell into his witch's pit. <laughs> Fearing a curse, the locals reburied the bone uh, bones, and they were eventually sold to England's Museum of Witchcraft, uh, and later to an eccentric artist. And that's what you were talking about, mm-hmm. um, Robert Lenk. Lenkovitz. Well, it's a bit like my name. Uh, yeah, so I, I, and then eventually they were reburied in St. Osseth so that uh, they were put to rest. Um, all right, now, now we're hitting September 2007 and she's pregnant and the recession is hitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her work selling the caravans and the RVs dried up. Nobody could afford them. She used to live off the commissions and she was doing really well. She was great at selling them. The interest rates almost doubled her payment. She's lost her housemate. She's starting to get into dire circumstances with a baby on the way. Yeah. So as her stomach grew, the attack seemed to get stronger within the house. Um, She said that she was looking in a mirror and all of a sudden I felt two hands shove me and I hit the floor. I fell into the spare room. If I were to fall the other way, I would have gone straight down those stairs. Um, And she remembered she was laying there too scared to move in case she went into labor. So was somebody trying to get rid of the baby and harm her I don't know uh, as she, her due date neared Mitchell asked a plumber to install a new bathroom he ended up running terrified from the house after hearing for heavy footsteps uh, a friend tasked with repairing an electrical fault in a cage told Mitchell later the force had tried to push him down the stairs mm. stairs seem to be a popular thing now uh, young Freddie that we'd met earlier, who's now a chatty teenager, loved to spend time with her at the cage. Nan was not happy. (laughs) (laughs) No. So she'd actually cast a protection spell on him. There was a quote that they said in here. I thought it was hilarious that Nan was well known as being a witch and was often spotted flying into town on her electric scooter. (laughs) Isn't that great? So anyway, he had come to visit, uh, and as he was walking in the door, he heard a voice whisper in his ear, a man, that shit won't work here. (gasps) (laughs) So we've got a man who was recognized that he had an enchantment on him and was saying it doesn't work. Mm. He spun around and there was no one there. Now, uh, it wasn't long before this male character actually made his presence known to Mitchell, to Vanessa Mitchell. She was just watching TV and she said, I've seen this man before, but I could only see him from the waist up. And he was gliding very, very slowly looking at me, gliding past the beams. 
I saw him so clearly. He even had, you know, the like laughter line so she could see that clearly what he was. Mm. He had spiky black hair and he had old-fashioned clothes on. I couldn't see him from the legs down, um, uh, but she sensed that he was a jailer. Now, she gave birth to her baby on Christmas Eve. Oh. Oh, it's almost their anniversary or their, their birth. Um, God, how old have they been now? They're born in 2007. 15. No, no, no. Oh, math suck, obviously. 11. Uh, <laughs> um, and they called them Jessie. And she had to go straight back home to the cage. And she tried to avoid the prison room as much as she could. Now, she she took to sleeping with the, the baby in her bed. Um, she wanted to make sure that they were safe. She wasn't sleeping well, so she was up all night because the baby was crying. Um, a new salesperson had come to join the team at work and um, was bullying her into staying in the office. So she was really struggling before. Now it was even worse. She couldn't get out in the lot to sell the caravans. Um, there was no commissions. Things went from bad to worse. Um, she'd have to drive home every night to her hell house, which was terrifying her. And it, it, she got to the point that she actually was sleeping in the caravans at work rather than coming home at one stage. I think that was before she had the baby mm-hmm. to try and save money on fuel. Mm-hmm. It was that bad. Living inside the cage was grueling, she wrote. The longest slog of my life. It drove me to the brink of exhaustion and nervous breakdown. Uh, there was one stage with the baby sleeping in her room Um, she was angry at her life and what she'd been reduced to she awoke during the night to the sounds of footsteps pounding up the stairs with a boom 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 and I have had that experience of hearing those heavy booted footsteps and it's freaky not at this house but somewhere else the metal latches crashed against the door as if someone was about to burst in and it was really violent and quick her heart was bursting out of her chest and then nothing Mm. she became a nervous wreck she was brushing her teeth and she got smacked on the butt Mm -hmm. so now I think this is this male presence Mm -hmm. yes is making her his plaything. Wow. So she reached out to friends in desperation. Um, there was the manager at Caravan Park had a daughter who said they'd help. They happened to be a local police detective with an interest in the supernatural. Apparently she runs a Facebook Facebook page called Horrible Haunted History. Isn't it a great name? Uh, she said the police won't do anything to help her because you're talking about something people don't understand. So she went to the cage, didn't last long, almost immediately after I walked over the threshold, banging headache. Felt like somebody was trying to crush my skull. And that old cliche, I felt like I was being watched. She had a really bad feeling, like something bad was about to happen. Late one night, three loud knocks pounded the front door and our young fellow burst in he'd been having a fight with his grandma granddad was dying nana was screaming and carrying on and he said i just have to get out so he came to his place of refuge to hang out with vanessa uh he managed to fall asleep on the lounge until he woke up it was very very dark and he felt somebody brushing his face it felt like there was a spider or something he opened his eyes and looked about And next to him, he says, I shit you not. (laughs) There's a woman and she's on her knees and she's stroking my head and brushing my hair. 
So that's a very protective energy, isn't it? Yes. So we've got... Again, Ursula? Ah, uh, could be. They were a little bit terrified. So now we've got uh, Vanessa still sleeping with Jesse in the bed. For one time, she put him down for a second and mysterious forces threw him off the bed onto some drinks she kept on the floor. Luckily, the the glasses didn't break and um, they were fine. But she realized she needed to get out of there. Mm -hmm. A baby can't protect themselves. We're now up to February 2008. It's winter. And Mitchell found herself on the street, about to have to go home for the night, and she just couldn't summon the courage to walk back through those doors. She tucked her baby inside her coat to protect him from the cold and thought, what are you going to do? You have to go back in there because all his stuff is in there. You've got to go to work in the morning. The snow started to fall. If you don't go in, you're going to freeze anyway. And she took a deep breath and pushed open the ancient door. At that stage, she was exhausted and tired. She put Jessie asleep into one of the rooms and she crept downstairs to press some clothes for the morning alone in the prison room. She was, as she was ironing her blouse, all of a sudden she heard some jaunty electric music filling the air. She looked down at her feet and several toys had come to life. Jessie's Thomas the Tank Engine... Four or five of them, all at once, started chugging around my feet. And she realized this was a warning. She screamed out, Jessie! Screamed and climbed those stairs two at a time. There was a bloke standing at the top of the stairs. Not a burglar, but a ghostly figure standing between her and Jessie. Apparently he was dressed in modern clothing. Oh, she dashed past the apparition and grabbed her son and said, I'd rather be homeless. I'm not living there because it's unlivable. So with that, she's put the house up for sale. Uh, she went and moved in with a friend nearby. And this is around the stage that she has messaged the uh, Society for Psychical Research mm -hmm. with that letter that I started with at the start. And uh, said, you know, I'm thinking of, I've got to pay my bills. I've, I'm about to go bankrupt. I've yep. got to find some way to pay for this house that I can no longer live in. So that's where she got John Fraser involved. And he decided that he would, uh, he's part of the Spontaneous Case Committee and visited the cage and conducted interviews. Now, rather than conduct an investigation, he actually wanted, before she released it to the paranormal investigators, he wanted to gather all the stories, mm -hmm. which is why this story has been put together so well, because he has documented it. Mm -hmm. Now, in saying that, she had tried to get tenants in before she um, reverted to this, Uh but it, all the tenants would um, have to leave. And there was one there that lasted a few months. I think it was about four months. And then they said they had to get out. Then there was another one that lasted two months before they had to get out. Mm -hmm. So she's realized that she can't even lease it to people because it's too irresponsible. To It's that badly haunted that she can't lease it. 
which is why she thought maybe rent it out to people who would pay to have that experience. Yeah. I think it was quite clever. So uh, we now start to have the paranormal investigators come in and she actually did make quite a bit of money renting it out to people who wanted to come and investigate. So she would rent it out to companies. Like when we went to England, um, we went to the Ancient Ram Inn, we went to 30 East Drive and Pontefract, and they rent out the building for mm-hmm. the night and then yep. they charge whatever it is on top. So, um, you know, they, they charge 35 quid for them to come and attend ghost hunts. Mm-hmm. That's clever. So, of course, once you do that, the tabloids get hold of it and started to report as the most haunted house in Britain. I love this. A retired police officer claimed to have snapped a photograph of four ghosts carrying a dead witch in Coffin Alley. Other captured witch-like faces and even a satanic goat. But apparently John Fraser worked out that it was an upside-down Parker coat. Isn't that gold? <laughs> I love people who go, oh, I've got a ghost picture. Look at this. And you go, oh, no. <laughs> they don't want to believe you, though. No, they don't. So this is where she starts to lose credibility as a witness because she's now making money. But the thing is, she's tried for four years to survive in that house mm-hmm. and it just hasn't worked. <sighs> so in come the paranormal investigators now. Oh, and of course, they have lots of experiences, don't they? Um, And once again, it's all front-loaded with the idea of that this is a witch. There's witches and there's jail warders. Oh, it would all be known by now. And there would be stories and and things and the town would be talking. Oh, it would be huge. Already (laughs) preloaded before you walk in. So I'm going to, because I still literally have another nine pages in my hands. I'm going to whiz through quickly some of the things that have happened. Um, There was bangs heard coming from the bathroom um, in response for someone trying to make communications like knock twice for yes and that sort of thing. Someone experienced a pebble fly across the room in the main bedroom. Another person heard growling sounds in the kitchen. Probably someone's stomach. Mm-hmm. How many times do we get growling stomachs and mm-hmm. people who need to break wind? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the sounds of heavy objects being dragged across the floor. Um, they did have people come in and do some filming in there and they saw the chain swinging back and forth. Um, so there was a lot of people who have witnessed uh, things that had happened there. Oh, there was a Ouija board. Oh, oh I do Ouija like board. a Ouija board. Yeah. Um, they heard a loud noise and a Ouija board. We was found to have been thrown across the cage uh, where it was previously standing in the corner. I remember there was another one too where um, one of the guys that was living in the house and they'd been digging out a hole trying to find bits and pieces and um, he'd left the room and came back and a vase that had been sitting over the other side of the room had been placed into the hole where they'd been digging. Oh, Isn't that cool? Mm. Um, there was some scratches. Uh, back of legs were scratched. Uh, there was another one with some blistering that was examined by a doctor. Said it was burn marks. There's people who experienced emotional changes coming into the house where they'd suddenly feel a rage come upon them. Um, there was a male investigator that was reduced to tears after being prodded and bruised on the back of his legs. So it, it goes on and on and on. But let's get to... The is this really haunted and did this really happen? Because I have to wind it up. Mm-hmm. It, it's I can report on so much. 
First off, there is something I would like to debunk. Okay. Um, it's possible the witches were held there. They weren't necessarily held there. If they were, it would have been for a very brief amount of time. Sorry. That's the ghost calling. Before we were very rudely interrupted by Jack from India on the phone call. <laughs> yes. Um, he was telling you f- that she's going to be have a phone taken off yeah. her because of Telstra or something. Oh, I don't know. Oh. I get sick of these phone calls. Um, all right. So a little yep. bit of debunking. Mm-hmm. Um, were they even there? Uh, we don't know. Uh, they do have very good records saying that where they were, these people did exist and they were taken to somewhere else. But they would have been kept probably in that cell. But it would have been a very brief amount of time. The bodies that were found nearby in un- unsanctified yes. ground. Yes, yes. Mm. Well, those skeletons were looked at by an archaeologist, Jacqueline McKinley. Um. They're not female. They're not female. They're male. No. And the iron spikes were recent additions designed to enhance the witch story. Oh, no. And Charles Brooker, who was the fellow that did that, um, the grandson, Paul, made a confession. Granddad put the nails in there. He was embellishing things. Oh, no. Doesn't that just make you annoyed? Pope. So these these, um, skeletons have been taken off and been given a grand burial as the witches. (laughs) No. Be rolling over in my grave on that one. Um... And then, of course, we have the thing that she was making money out of it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think that was... Yeah, look, I think that's the least of the issues, really. It's, it's like everything else. If you've just lost your house and you're trying to feed yourself and a, and a child, you'll do anything. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong. I mean, she was leasing the house and she was renting the house. People were given something in exchange yes, for that money. And I I would be paying money to go in there and spend some time to try and have some sort of activity myself, just that's, like we did for 30 East Drive and true. Ancient Ram Inn. That's happily. true. Yep. But sadly now, it has been sold to someone else who apparently moved in in December, I think it was, um, last year. So mm-hmm. they've been in there almost a year. Uh, I don't know what's happened, but they're very quiet. Uh, uh, there was something else I was going to mention. So now I'm going to go back to my theory. Okay. So I think that there was a malevolent, nasty jailer that may have still been there and didn't like the fact that there was unwed mothers in there that were pregnant and was probably giving them a hard time. If there was going to be a ghost, that's what I'd say it is. Mm -hmm. Then we've got this feminine energy, which seems to be a protective sort of energy. Mm -hmm. Whether it's a ghost or whether it's one of her ancestors, Vanessa's ancestors, Mm -hmm. who are there trying to protect her, look after her, or Ursula, who knows? Mm -hmm. Was it a witch? Dunno. Mm -hmm. But there does seem to be these two different entities, Mm -hmm. one protection and one attack. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? With all of this that we've laid out here... Is this a true haunting or not? Oh, my goodness. I don't know. I've, I can't. I can't. I want, I want it she to be. She will not commit. I want it to be true. I want it to be true because there's such a fascinating history associated yes. with the site. But, you know, when you look at it 
And in most cases, these were holding cells. They No one stayed there long. Yeah, they uh, didn't die there. No, they didn't die there. They would have died so there. So why if, would they come back and haunt there? Yeah, yeah. Unless it's the emotional turmoil of what happened with her son, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, going against her and, and um, that that can imprint itself, that trauma can imprint itself on a location, mm-hmm. possibly. Yeah. I would like to know more with regard to all of this and and more layers because we're only hearing the juicy story, the story everyone Mm. wants to hear, which is about the witches. But there would be another... It's a a great connection. It makes a great story. There there are many other people who had spent time in that cell that we don't know about. Yeah. We would have to go through the historical books and information to find out... We don't have that much time. (laughs) who had been there... And um, you know, and it's been used stories. up to 1908, yes. so that's quite modern, mm. considering it's 1500. We're talking about these witches. Yes, yeah. it's 400 years of history, 350 years. And you know, the association of what was there prior, as you mentioned, there there would have been a holding cell prior um, to the bricks and mortar thing that we see. Um, and so, what did that look like? How who was there? How long were they kept there? Um, from the historical point of view and haunted historically point of view, um, there is so much energy in that spot. And there's a lot of witnesses um, yeah. before the paranormal investigators moved in. Yeah. There was a lot of people that had, had things happen to them, not quite as dramatic as Vanessa. She is the main story giver for what has happened because mm-hmm. she spent the most amount of time there. So... Has she embellished, embellished it to make it more attractive for ghost hunters to come in and investigate? And why don't we hear about any of the other stories from the 1940s or the 1950s mm. or you know, earlier stories? Well, it was well known as being a haunted location, but uh-huh. is it because of the, the whole superstition of witches? But anyway, I think we're just going to go round and round in circles. Yeah. I think something went down, but I would like to say that this lady had paranormal experiences before she moved into this location. Mm. So maybe she was open to um, receiving messages from the other side. And it just it's not that it's followed her. She's moved into a new location and has been open to it. Mm -hmm. And she's brought it through. Very much a catalyst. And, of course, being pregnant, it just sort of amplifies everything. Um, I I just realised I I didn't even get to the six pages of notes I made in my other book. Yeah. I I, I can't keep going. (laughs) I'd like to think that it is... um, that there is something going on. And I, I truly hope that the family that has moved in now is safe is safe and yep. looking after it and um, has put it all to rest. Yep. But we have a fabulous history that um, we can share. And guys, I hope you have enjoyed this episode of True Hauntings. It was a great one. I've enjoyed it. And we'd just like to take this moment to wish you all a very merry, happy Christmas, happy holidays, whatever it is you want to be happy about. You guys be happy about it. And we will be back after the new year, bright and sparkly with new episodes. Don't forget to make sure you've shared this podcast around. Let us know your favourite story. What else do we have to tell people, Renata? Yeah, look, join us on our Facebook pages. Um, as as we said right at the very beginning, we've offered you a challenge. Come onto our Facebook page on True Hauntings Podcast and let us know which has been your favourite episode and why. And thank you to everyone who has helped make this podcast happen. We wish you Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And, of course, in the new year, we'll see you on the dark side because that's where we love to live. Bye, guys. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.annandrenata.com. True Hauntings is a part of the Human Labs Podcast Network.